Welcome to Rooting For You, a seasonal gardening podcast for non-experts. I'm Tess, and I know nothing. And I'm Elise, and I know some things. Each week, we'll chat about one gardening topic, and then discuss the effort-reward payoff by asking, is the juice worth the squeeze? Just a heads up, there might be a bit of swearing in this episode. You've been warned. I'm a big broad bean fan. Mostly I get them frozen, but a few months ago I had them fresh from the garden and they were magnificent. I do admittedly find them a little annoying to shell, but overall the juice is worth the squeeze. Now that I have had them fresh, I'm very interested to know about growing them myself. Elise, do you reckon that broad beans are a staple in most people's kitchen? I'd say definitely not. (laughs) I think definitely not as well. Yeah, I don't think they're a big popular veg, which is a shame because I think they're absolutely delicious. But I agree with you that the shelling of them, Mm. it's a bit of a barrier to entry for me sometimes. Yeah. I do have my favourite way to eat them, which I have listed. Let's discuss because when I was like, do people know how to eat So let's start with inspiration. Yeah. I think because there's a few stages of the broad bean growth cycle that you can eat them. And I'll definitely get into those different stages when we're talking about harvesting. But my favorite is when they've just formed their big juicy pods, but they're not old in the pod, lightly steamed. You can eat them raw, but I think just lightly steamed and then cooling them down completely and having them in a salad Mm. with like peas and feta and lemon and cabbage. Like I really love that kind of like fresh spring salad because you will be eating your beans in spring. So it fits with the other veggies listed there. But actually my favorite way to eat them, which is a lot of work, but it's a dip. And I like to steam the broad beans just lightly and then like puree them with a bit of feta and lemon and dill. I think that's pretty much the base of it. I'm sure there's, you know, some olive oil and salt and all that jazz, but like it is the best dip ever that I would say on that the juice is worth the squeeze. Similar flavor profile, but my favorite broad bean recipe is actually a Jamie Oliver broad bean pesto. Oh. Where it's all kind of blended up together mm. with like the lemon and feta. It's actually got cayenne pepper in oh, as well. Interesting. Okay. And that is delish. Pesto. Well, this is something new to I try. I mean, it's just blended up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's like mint. What well, kind as well. of is a so dip? I think mine's got a mint in it too. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, the well, same flavor profile. But- what are you doing with yours if not dipping into it? Oh, sorry, by putting it in a pasta. Oh, pasta sauce. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Fabulous. Yeah, I like that. Of course. I see you, man. You just don't put it in pasta and you use it as a dip. <laughs> that works perfectly well. You could spread it on bruschetta. You could – I mean, that's just the same as saying having it on toast, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just more fancy it's when just it's so fancy. I think frozen ones definitely have a place and, like, they're great, but – I completely agree with you that once you've tasted them fresh, it mm. is hard to go back. Obviously, we will because we're not going to be growing our broad beans all year round. But at the same time, it is a delicacy to have it. And we can. The first time I made this broad bean recipe myself, I didn't know that they had to be shelled. So I've oh. got them from the supermarket. Enough, and I'm like, oh, so you bought them fresh? No, no, brought them frozen. Oh, okay. Frozen right. from the supermarket. Yeah. I'm like, what is this madness of <laughs> shelling them? <laughs> I have to say, I remember, so that dip recipe I'm talking about, I actually put it in one of my cookbooks. I tested it so many times, like a very short period of mm. time. By the end of it, I was like, I am so over this. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that you got to do with like, I don't know, the TV on in the background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just like someone to talk to and nowhere to be is basically this, the vibe. Yeah, this is 
definitely will factor in on the squeegee juice. juice matrix. But I know. And I want to put people off to begin with no. because they're delicious. Well, also they're so difficult to buy fresh. Like you, it's almost impossible to buy them fresh. So if you want to enjoy broadbeans at their best, growing them yourself is the only way to do that. Whereas there are a lot of crops that are delicious fresh, but obviously they're quite readily accessible. So this does, I mean, we're talking about the squeezy juice before we've even told people how to grow it. (laughs) Can I tell you, when I had them fresh recently, I savoured every single little bean. Because like, not only do I respect how hard it is to grow stuff yourself, but also the shelling factor as well. (laughs) I'm like, every single one I'm going to savour it. Isn't that beautiful though? And we've talked about this so many times on the podcast that even if you're not growing it yourself, like you didn't grow those broad beans, but now that you know about the growing process, it gives you so much more respect for the food when someone else has grown it. And I think for someone who this person as well, like shows love through food yeah, and they're just like a f- to know the amount of effort that went into it, yeah. it's just like such a nice thing to appreciate it. it from- it's so special. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the other reasons why we'd want to grow them. Yes. Aside from the fact pesto, that they're the delicious <laughs> dip and pesto. <laughs> so they're actually really high in protein. Oh, okay. And, you know, aside from my chicken's eggs, which obviously 99% of people will not be having, there's not a lot you can produce in your home garden that's high in protein. Yeah. So as far as bang for buck is concerned, broad beans really fit that. They add nitrogen to the soil. Oh, that's good. So it's like you plant them, but then also it's a fertilizer. Yeah, it's like replenishing. Yeah. So in the crop rotation, exactly. one, to th- one to think about. Absolutely. And there aren't many crops. We think about all the crops that are heavy feeders. When they're done with their growing, they have depleted the soil mm. and we need to replenish it. By growing broad beans, and this is true of beans and peas, we are not taking from the soil. We're actually giving to it. So if you look at like a classic crop rotation plant, often beans the last thing in the line so yeah right after you've grown a heavy feeder like a tomato or a pumpkin Mm -hmm. you would then put in a bean afterwards to replenish that so to get the advantages of we've got a food crop for us and our soil is left in better condition yeah it's amazing it's amazing so we've talked about green manures before when people grow Mm -hmm. a certain crop um broad beans or similar stuff will be included in that kind of fodder mix yeah but this way i'm like we get a green manure and we get food if we do it right now, not many people would actually know, I'm guessing, even what a broad bean plant looks like. No, or even what a broad bean itself Well, looks that's like. true. Okay, well, you describe the broad bean itself and I'll describe the plant. A broad bean is like a jack-in-the-beanstalk magic bean. It is a big, like, I don't know, the size of at least a 10-cent piece. It's probably a terrible analogy. It's a chunky bean. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I can't think of a bigger one. It's pretty big. I agree, but yeah. it's not like you eat bean. the bean as a bean. Not the pod. Not the pod in the way that you, like a green bean, you eat the whole pod. Yeah, exactly. This is like like a shelling pea. We don't eat the yeah. casing, we eat the peas inside. This is mm-hmm. the same thing. But you're right, this is like a monster bean. Yeah. I dare say Jack and the Beanstalk surely was based on a broad bean. Surely. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of beanstalk, this actually segues beautifully. How a broad bean grows is there's one main shooty-uppy beanstalk, quite literally, and off that is leaves and flowers grow off this. And as Ooh. we know, flowers turn into food. Yeah, the same way in a tomato plant, exactly. all, of the tomatoes will turn, all of the flowers will turn into tomatoes. Exactly. So that's exactly what's going on here. So we've got one tall, shooty-uppy beanstalk with pods coming off it and the plant will grow its pods 
from the bottom of the plant upwards. Ah. And then you'll harvest it from the bottom upwards. Okay, but they still come off in pods. Yeah. So it's like if you've got you got the beanstalk pitcher, yeah. then it's like it's just hanging off the sides. Okay. So I'm sure Jack would have been using them as his ladder runs. I am 100% convinced that the bean in Jack and the Beanstalk was a broad bean. I think it's the only way to go. <laughs> now, not only do these broad beanstalks have beautiful childhood connotations of Jack and the Beanstalk, they're actually a very pretty flower and a very beautiful plant. Mm. I wouldn't say this of all the edible plants we're growing, but there are some varieties of broad beans that have beautiful crimson flowers that are really pretty. I have some nice photos actually. I've grown some in the past, so I'll put those up. So to be able to get some winter colour in the garden in winter, some winter colour in the garden in winter, You know, it's not much flowering. So we've got that added benefit. The other really nice thing about these beautiful flowers is they're opening and they're around in spring and we'll talk about the timeline in a bit. But spring is when the bees are all coming out and they're all really hungry because they've been in the hive all winter. They're making lots of babies. They need food. The broadband flowers are great food for bees. Love it. So lots of reasons for you, for the soil, for the bees and for the aesthetics. When – so I'm picturing the – the beanstalk yeah. and the pods coming off it, kind yeah. of like a palm fond yes, a little bit. exactly that. Are, are there lots or are they kind of sporadic? They're like- And how tall does it get? Yeah, so there's lots of different varieties of broad beans that we grow at home, as in like are available to grow. I'd say there are 50 varieties that home gardeners can grow. Mm-hmm. Some of them are dwarfs, which are looking at 80 centimetres. Oh, that's still pretty big though. It is big, but when you compare them to the full-size ones, which grow up to two metres, this is full Jack of the Beanstalk <laughs> stuff, um, 80 centimetres does seem quite short. Okay. So it just depends on what you buy. And when it comes to deciding which ones to buy, obviously the flowers is a big draw card, but I think most importantly it's about the height because depending on where you're planting them and a few other things, you want to make sure that it's the right plant for you. But yeah. we'll come back to picking them because we're still talking about how they're growing. Yeah. I might be jumping around a little bit, but given that they are so large, mm. are, they, are they self-supported or do you need to put them in like a trellis or a stake or something? Great question. And this is the number one thing people need to understand about broad beans is they are a pain in the ass <laughs> <laughs> because they don't naturally climb like a snow pea does yeah. or a bean does. They don't do that. But they're like two meters tall and this, the pods are very heavy. Yeah. Like these seed pods, they're huge and you've got heaps of them. So it actually becomes very top heavy. So this plant breaking is a real, Ooh, real problem. Okay. So we will get to that. But for your original question is you've got the stalk and then the beans will be equally spaced up the length of the stalk. One two meter tall beanstalk, like I'm just having a guess here, but it would make, it would give you like, Maybe 50 pods. Okay. Yeah. And then each pod has like, I I don't think I've ever seen a real, a pod in real life. Like how many in it? Five. Five. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I suppose that's the, that's the shelling. Like, I feel like we haven't even fully described the shelling situation because you got to take them out of the pod and then you got to take them out of their little skins, you know? Is that what you're? Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe we we also, I think we'd. There are many kind of pods and layers as part of the – let's talk about the overall construction of the pod. So you have one pod and it's got maybe five, you reckon, inside it. But when we're back talking about the shelling before, 
when you take each bean out, you then have to pop it out of its shell. And that's the bit that sucks. Well, actually, that's not even its shell. Like we haven't, we haven't even, we're making this sound worse now, but you've got to, the pod, you take the beads out of the big pod, which is what I suppose you'd usually consider shelling. And then you've got to yeah, yeah, that squeeze wasn't them even out of their skin. Re- I was talking about the squeezing them out of their, sh- their yeah, casing. I, it's now occurred to me that is what you meant. Well, then there's the other layer. Have you got to get them out of the pod in the first place? Is that difficult? No. I mean, it's like, <laughs> but it's one more step yeah. that we don't want. So it's like a double, a double approach. Imagine if you had a snow pea and you wanted to take the peas out and not eat the pod. It's like the same thing with a broad bean. Well, yeah, it's like each bean has its own little jacket on inside the pod and you've got to yeah. get rid of the pod and the jacket. Yes, which you don't have to do Because the jackets else. are not nice to eat. No, they're not. Like, yeah, they are edible but no one wants to. Yeah. We've done a terrible job of describing <laughs> this. <laughs> Look, I'm going to say if you want to grow broad beans, you probably have eaten them before so you know what we're talking about. Yes, and if you don't, maybe just go and get some frozen ones from – so in the frozen one, they're just all there in their jackets. Mm. So you need to take the jackets off. Okay, right. Yes, so when I've done it, I have not just taken the jackets off but also taking the, the pods, pods out. Got yeah. it. So if we've got 50 pods on a bean stalk and then they've got five in each, you're going to get 250 beans. Which is a fair amount of pesto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair amount of dip too. So – <laughs> I think we're getting ahead of ourselves in terms of squeezy juice. <laughs> Are we making this sound any less appealing? <laughs> oh, I know. Are we on to the logistics of how we're going to do this? Yeah, and what I'm praying after mm. we've just like done broad beans a massive disservice. We have. In, what I am praying is you're going to tell me, big seed, easy to grow. That is exactly what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Hurrah. That is, to a point, to a T, my answer. So the seeds you use to grow a broad bean is – a broad bean. So those pods are huge. Jack and the beanstalk size. Massive. And again, you've said it, my policy is bigger the seed, the easier it is to grow. So you are absolutely going to grow these from seeds. Yes, you can buy them from a nursery. I have no problem with that, yeah. right? But there's just no need. And the amount of varieties you can get is so expansive, blah, blah, blah. Buy some seeds. It'll be really easy. The flowers, the flavor, but the height. So the short ones, the 80 centimeter ones, these are dwarf varieties. Mm -hmm. Now you probably know if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I'm not usually a fan of dwarf varieties. I find they just are often similar amount of work, similar space, less productive. In the broad bean area, I am a fan because managing the support systems, Mm. which we will come to, is a lot easier when the plant is only 80 centimeters and not two Two meters meters. so from that perspective and maybe if you're new to the broad beans i would definitely consider the dwarfs the other thing is and this comes up with most crops is the ones with the prettiest flowers are not necessarily the most productive Mm -hmm. so if you like the flowers looking beautiful and that's you know attractive go for gold but if it's just bang for buck as many broad beans as you can just go with like a very standard variety I'm already scared that if I was to get a full-sized broad bean, I'd need some kind of like ladder Mm. to do the trellising at the top or however it's going to (laughs) go. Yeah, I mean, you're not the tallest person. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've got our broad bean seed or seedling, Mm -hmm. whatever, but Mm -hmm. don't be afraid of seed. Don't be afraid of them. Direct sow or container grow? Direct sow. Okay, great. They germinate quite fast. It's a really big seed, so the spacing's very easy. You could contain and grow them. I have no issue with it, but for the most part- Not essential. Not essential. And even I, who doesn't like direct sowing much, would direct sow my broad beans. Okay. 
So, but look, whatever works. Do you, would you put two pods in and see which one grows mm. the best or like hedging your bets no. that way or they're just solid germinators? I think they're pretty solid germinators. Okay. Yeah. You can plant them quite close together. Oh, right. Okay. Interesting. Yes. You want them quite a quite, quite close because then they form a bit of a support network for each other mm-hmm. as well. But again, we'll get to that on supports. I suppose if I was container growing or I bought seedlings, I would space them about 20 centimetres apart. Okay. If I was- it's pretty close for such a tall plant. Yeah, yeah. And they are quite big plants. If I was growing from seed direct sowing, factoring in that some of these aren't going to germinate, mm-hmm. I might put them 15 centimetres yeah, close right, together, yeah. something like that. Yeah. The other thing is you're going to plant them five centimetres down, which is very deep. Ah. Ah, okay. This is for two reasons. One, big seed needs to go deeper. Okay. We've discussed this. But secondly, basically you're putting a food source in the ground so rats and mice, if ah, you've got any floating about, yeah. okay. may dig it up and eat it. I've never seen this with broad beads, but I have with corn. Mm. I have planted entire rows of corn and then come back and the entire row is meticulously dug up and every corn kernel Fabulous. is gone. <laughs> So by putting them that bit deeper, we are just maximising the chances. If you've got some massive rodent issue, if you're worried about this, you can contain it, grow it, obviously, and then when you're planting it, the seed is not at an attractive way for anything to eat it. Mm -hmm. But I think the direct so big seeds is the way to go. Now, when you do plant them, obviously moisture is important with seedlings, right? Mm -hmm. We, We see this in every crop, but- because this is a bean and a bit different to the rest of the seed, if we overwater it, it can rot. Ooh, so this is okay. almost like a – we talk about this when we talk about growing potatoes. We talked about it with dahlias. We talked about it with ginger. These kind of crops, you want to keep them moist at the start, but you don't want them to rot. Yeah. So this is like a plant, water, and then wait until you see a shooty uppy. We're obviously doing this episode in winter. Mm. This oh, yeah, we haven't even now is the time to plant. We, we brushed over that, didn't we? <laughs> so you can grow broad beans from autumn to spring. Oh, great. They hate the warmth. Ah. That's really rough on them. So you can grow them throughout that whole period. But what I want you to think about is, and they no frost is no problem as mm-hmm. well. So if you're in the southern parts of Australia, Tassie, et cetera, go for gold. Your broad beans can be very happy. What you don't want is to leave it too late in the season so that in three months when your broad beans are flowering and therefore creating their pods, that the weather's too warm. Okay. Now, where we are, I don't think this is a huge problem, but I would say most people are going to want to plant their broad beans end of autumn, start of winter. Okay. But technically, and again, depending where you are, you can push that out. But I think safest option is just do it now, have them growing through the colder months. So I guess that's something maybe a tick in the box for – container growing if you're worried about planting it in winter and there's lots of rain that that might be a consideration Mm. for you yeah because i mean container growing always has the better drainage yeah so for this crop you're right we're planting it in winter there's a lot of rain the container grower pot could be good as we don't want it to rot Mm. we can grow in pots but again, okay. you're just not going to be growing very many. If you're growing in a pot, I would say grow a dwarf variety. Yep. You're not going to try and have a two-meter Oh, I mean, we're sold on the dwarf varieties anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'll still grow the big ones. But I think for most people, the dwarf varieties of this are going to be perfect. So yeah, I think the timing is pretty fast and loose. I quite like the fact that it can be planted so late 
in that we are start of winter because there are a lot of other crops that we've talked about that we do grow through winter, but we have to get them planted months before winter. We've got Mm. to get them started in those warmer months, whereas the broad beans are one that we don't have to get started early. We can just whack them in the middle of winter. And there's not much that I'm safely saying whacking in the middle of winter. Yeah, but I imagine like you've got to be careful about where you're putting it because if it's going into spring, Mm. it can't be where you're going to put your tomatoes, for example, because you won't get your tomatoes in early enough. I love that you're thinking like this. This is my my MO in the garden. But I will say this, right, it's about three months to maturity. So if I put them in start of winter, that means they're going to be producing start of spring. Now, for me and probably for you too, start of spring is still too cold for a tomato. Yeah, right. So if I – water tomato seedling or I container grew my tomato, mm. I think actually the two would line up quite nicely. Or if you go later, that could be where you put your Brussels sprouts. That's true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that would work well. So, yeah, it's not Just a bad one it. for timing. Have it, yeah. have it in your mind. Have it in mind. You don't but- want to be pulling them out when you haven't harvested anything. It's true. You definitely don't. But the good thing is they're not like garlic or something that's going to be in for like nine months of the year or something ridiculous. It's actually is quite short. And to be quite short, in winter is yeah. very impressive. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, look, give it some thought. and But you're, you're banking on about three months. I'd say probably that's three months until you start harvesting and then you might harvest for a few weeks after that. Okay. So, look, maybe realistically it's more like four months. So we know what we're growing. We know where we're growing. Oh, oh hang on. You know, actually, you know, on this point also, this is not a bad one to succession plant. Yeah, right. Which, okay. which we don't mention much because I don't – I like the idea of it, but I almost never do it. But this would work to do a couple in late autumn, a couple in the start of winter. You could probably even put in a couple in the middle of winter and just have that longer broad bean harvest. I love that for all of the super organized people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or maybe it's like you've got some room in the garden bed so you put a couple in and then you pull something else out and then you put put a couple more in as it works for you, right? So we've talked about what we're planting Mm. and when we're planting. Yes. Let's talk about where we're planting. This is a full sun, full sun situation. Gotcha. I mean, you'd expect that. You would. It kind of goes pretty hard and fast in a winter winter crop. Exactly. You're right. So that's probably the only drawback here is that it does need prime position, but I think it's deserving of it and it's winter. The thing to be careful of is you don't want to plant somewhere windy. Again, we've got this this beanstalk breaking issue. So factoring in like against a fence or something that's got some kind of windbreak offering, very nice. We're also going to have to do a support system. So if you have something in the garden already that can be utilised to assist this. Yep. Brilliant. Now, the really involved back to basics gardeners will often grow their broad beans where they grew corn in summer. And when you harvest the corn, you pull the ears of the corn off and you're left with this stalk. Oh, my gosh, this is genius. Yeah, so then you plant your broad beans around that and that basically is the stakes for the broad beans. Love it. And corn is a very heavy feeder and then the broad beans oh are gosh. nitrogen okay. fixes. If that appeals to you, be my guest. I think I just I love the idea of it, but it's never worked for me that that's exactly what I want to plant where I planted that. Yeah. But and it requires you to be growing corn, which I'm pretty sure I would have rated. <laughs> I have, yeah, what did I have you to, rate I corn? I have to go back and have a look at yeah, it. I but can't remember either. It was immediately after that episode I thought to myself, never growing that one. <laughs> 
I'll be honest, I didn't grow any this summer either, which is not to say I won't in the future, but I agree it's not my staple offering. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have corn before you're using it as a It's true, stuff. it's true, which is why I've, I've – <laughs> Let's talk about some other trellising options, yeah. shall we? <laughs> if you're More not accessible. Corn. If you're not growing corn in the exact place that you would like to grow broad beans. Now, a few options. You can stake each one. Okay. I don't think anyone's going to do this because that would be a pain. If you're staking it, is it mm. like the same way that we spoke about staking zucchinis, that as it grows, you have to continue to tie up if and up you, and up? If you staked it as to a single stake, yes. Yeah, okay. What most people do, and this I think is the recommended, is you put – a few stakes around your patch and then you put string all around the outside and then you do all these crisscrossy strings like you're a spider making a crazy web and then as the broad beans come up and you do these string sections, it grows into the support. Cool. I find for the most part it kind of does the job. Occasionally I'll have to pull one around or pull one into the support that's sticking out the side. For the most part, that works well. The limitation of that, and I have come up against this myself, and it was a sad day, is two meters tall, you need to be staking it to the top. Mm. So I did this whole crisscross situation, but I didn't do it that high. And then they broke at the top in a storm. If it breaks at the top, will it still grow at the bottom? Well, everything that's already on there will continue to flower and ripen. So it's not the end of the world, but it was pretty annoying. Quite limiting yeah. for your broad beans. Yes. The other one that I quite like is the tomato cage, which yeah. we've talked about. I often reuse those in winter for the broad beans. Nice. So that is a really nice double purpose. Some of them I find way too short, but again, if you're growing the dwarfs, that would work. Although I have got some tomato cages recently from the nursery that are like the extra tall ones. Oh, yeah. And I really, really like those because for my tomatoes, they're always going gangbusters Mm. and then in winter the broad beans or other things I can use them for supports for. So if you see the extra tall ones, I think they're worth the extra price. So that's kind of your few options for your staking. But the moral of the story is you have to stake them or you will just get some offensive wind and they'll just snap. And the the sad thing is is that the closer they get to being ready to harvest is actually their danger zone because they're quite (laughs) heavy at that point. So, yeah. Don't go light on the support system. Mm-hmm. We've skipped ahead to support systems. And we have. But is there anything that you need to be worried about in terms of caring for the plant? Any pests that we need to know about? So, again, that water situation is a factor of keeping them moist but not too moist when they're germinating. Mm-hmm. Moving on to their growing, we when they're forming the flowers and then the pods, that's a key time to keep them really moist Mm -hmm. now this is usually going to be the end of winter start of spring so for me i am not worried i would actually love it if the garden would dry out a little bit like it's so muddy but depending on where you are in your rainfall that would be the time to focus on the water now the issues and the pests pests not so much you can get the slugs and snails in the early days when they're very small and prime it's prime time. time yeah once they're over that hurdle of being a little seedling it's not really an issue. So just watch out for it in the first couple of weeks and then you're done. What is an issue is fungal infections. Okay. One called black tip and one called black spot, I think, or is it black tip and spot? One or the other. The name is indicative of the vibe. It's black. It's black. <laughs> if you get it, Google that stuff. Where does it grow? Like on the leaves? On the leaves. Or, okay. And, we'll, and the tips like at the very top of the beanstalk 
can be where they often start okay. the fungal infections. Look, fungal infections, there's a lot of really natural ways to treat them, but you've got to get onto it early. Yeah. You can't wait until the thing's Will covered. Will they destroy your whole plant if left untreated? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, this is not a powdery mildew situation, which is another fungus. I have seen, yeah, I haven't had it myself, but I've seen someone have a very big crop of broad beans get ruined by the fungus. Oh, no. And the shame of it is, is like once it's on one plant, if you don't treat it, it's going to spread spread to all gotcha. of them. So, look, I can't – I don't think it's a high likelihood you're going to get it, but if you do see anything black going on on your plant, get onto it early and then it should be good. Okay. But, yeah, that is a risk or something to watch out for. Anything else we should talk about before we talk about harvesting? No. I think we've got the growing down pat. So onto the harvest. So you're going to go from the bottom of the plant upward. That's how it's going to ripen in a way. You can harvest them at quite different stages. Like when they're quite young, you can harvest them and eat them, I think, raw maybe. And then as they get older, they get bigger and puffier. Mm -hmm. And then they get to that like prime time for, I think, where you and I both like eating them. And then if you leave them on, they start getting quite tough. Yeah. Okay. Still edible, but not anywhere near as nice. So don't leave them on until they're getting really tough. If you've left them on to the point they're beyond the edible stage, you can actually then just keep leaving them on and then they'll dry out, turn into seeds, and you'll have broad beans to plant next year. Yeah, okay. Because that's eventually what's going to happen. Yeah. When did we talk about that in an episode recently? Oh, the coriander seeds. Oh, of course. Yeah, so it's the same kind of idea in that we just leave it on until it's like dry as dry as dry. Mm -hmm. And then you can keep it. Or you don't care, whatever, get it out, buy some more broad bean seeds, whatever. I do think they're quite an easy one to save because they are just leave a couple of pods to dry out and then you've got five seeds in each and do that for five pods. You've got 25 seeds for next year and Bob's your own. Yeah, amazing. If you liked them is the other thing. If you don't, try a different variety. (laughs) (laughs) So you can, yeah, pick them at all stages, but try and pick them at the point that you really like them. You can also harvest the tips, which is like the little green leafy bits, and you can stir fry them. Where are the green leafy bits coming from? I mean, the top, but also kind of the armpits where the beans are coming from. Okay. We might need a pick of these. Yeah, I reckon. To be honest, I'm now thinking about it myself and I'm like, where would you be pulling those from other than the top, the tip? I feel like on the side. But again, this is only when it's quite young. Yeah, I'm not sure this is what you're growing it for. You're not growing it for this. (laughs) Maybe it's like if the the speed stock falls over and you're never going to get your beads. (laughs) Just take take the tips and call it a day. (laughs) I've never eaten them myself. We can add this to the list. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like how, you know, snow pea tendrils are a delicacy. Okay. Do you eat snow pea tendrils? No, I had no idea they were a delicacy. Yeah, yeah, they definitely. You go to the South Melbourne market tomorrow and there's going to be very expensive bags of snow pea tendrils. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you'll see them. I mean, I've eaten them plenty of times. I'm not excited by them. How are you eating them? Like in a salad or like a garnish. Like you'll see like, I don't know, you get like some thinly sliced fish with snow pea tendrils on it Gosh, at some it's fancy very It is. In salads, you see them a lot. I would never buy them. I mean, I probably have for food styling, let's be honest. But <laughs> other than that, I, I wouldn't buy them. But look, if you've got the plants there, I mean, why not eat more of them? You can also eat the flowers 
these pretty flowers, just fresh in salads. But every flower you pick is a flower that is no longer is a pod a bee, containing a pod. Five exactly. Beans. Exactly. So I would say from that perspective, I wouldn't be picking the flowers unless you've stuffed this up timing wise and you got to get the yeah, broadbeans sure. out to get your tomatoes sure. in or your plant falls over or whatever. But it's just good to know that you've got the options with yeah. it. But hopefully you're harvesting the good shit at the end. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're done with it, you've harvested everything. And so when you're harvesting it, mm. you're just like, are you secateuring off the pod or are you snapping off the pod? I think you're just snapping off the pod. Okay, we're not not super delicate. Not super delicate. I feel like it's just the same way you do snow peas. Like you could cut them, yeah. but you can just give them a yang yeah. too. Now, once you're done, you're going to have these big bean stalks and they are actually a brilliant source of nitrogen. This is where we talk about the fuel for your yeah. soil. So you've got a couple of options here. What you can do is you can just cut them, like chop them every like five centimetres or something, like get big hedging shears yep. and just down the beanstalks, do a few at a time. That'll all land on the soil and then just kind of like dig that into Ooh, the bed. Ooh, I like that. So it's in situ composting and yeah. then that You're bed, not even like taking it not even the taking it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really like that. But I sometimes don't do it only because, say, that bed, I then want to grow something like lettuce from seed. It's a bit – I find it a bit difficult trying to plant a seed into this like yeah, it's dug up mess. So you could put some finer soil on top and then put your seeds yeah. in or something. Yeah, yeah. Or what you can do is take those beanstalks and just put them in your compost. Yeah. But they're one of the few things that the garden will actually really thank you for – composting in situ but the last thing i ever want is someone to put it in like their green waste bin like this is mm, garden gold yeah. if you want to put your tomato vine in the green waste bin i'm going to close my eyes but like <laughs> I, i'm not going to be sad <laughs> about it you're giving away the good stuff you give it away the good stuff but like when it comes there would be i couldn't think of any plant that i would less want you to give away okay like this is gold there's some stern words there that is some stern words and actually on this point because the broadbeans are contributing so much nitrogen we actually don't want the soil prior to them going in to be really high in nitrogen because, oh, again, this is going to okay. create a really leafy broad bean without the pods and the flowers and all the stuff yeah. that we're there for. So having said that, this is the one time I'm going to say I don't think chicken manure, chicken poo, is mm. good right before you plant broad gotcha. beans. So I would feed the soil because we always want to feed the soil, but I would go with a cow or a sheep poo more than a chicken poo if you're going to use an animal manure. Yep. So that's a factor. The other thing is potassium, potash, is for the flowers. And actually that also helps prevent the fungal infection I was talking about earlier. Ah. So I would dig in, like sprinkle some potash over okay. the soil and dig that in before you plant your seedlings. That will give you a better crop and also should help prevent the funguses. Yeah, and we spoke about this before, I think in probably the building a bed episode, mm. but you can just get that from the nursery. Yeah, just get that from the nursery. Yep, straight potassium in a bag, powdered. Don't know what rates, I don't measure it, I just give it a sprinkle. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll have both benefits. So, yeah, I should have mentioned that when we were organising the planting, but you've heard it now. So the big question, is the juice worth the squeeze? This is where we look at the effort-reward ratio of today's topic. The categories are... Superstar, high effort, high reward. Completing this will make you feel like an absolute rock star. Best on ground, low effort, high reward. Quick wins and fill-ins, low effort, low reward. And finally, the wooden spoon, high effort, but not much reward. 
We may have already covered this section earlier <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> we have discussed all the pros and all the cons of the broadbands, but where is it sitting on the squeezy juice matrix, do you think? For me, probably. This is sitting somewhere between superstar status and the wooden spoon. Ooh, I knew that was coming. Depending <laughs> on how much you love a broadband. Mm. I think this purely rests on how much you love a broadband. Because if you love it, this is the only way, pretty much, you're going to get the fresh good broadbands. Yeah. Which so that can't be understated. They don't compare to the freezer ones. No. But having said that, they're not going to be, you're not going to be eating them in every meal. No. If you're only and getting 250 off your plant, say that's a, it's a good harvest, 250 of them. Well, but saying that though, that was off one bean. True. So no point. one's going to yeah. be growing. I mean, you could be my guest, but you're probably not going to be growing one bean. Yeah. So, so say, say you have two or three plants. Even. Yeah. But even in it, like, think about if we're putting them 15 or 20 centimetres apart, like, you know, in a pretty small garden bed, that might be eight plants. Yeah. So you will get a decent whack. What I do like about them is the time that you're putting them mm. in the garden mm. and the time that you're harvesting them. Yeah. You know, I think if you are listening to this episode in winter and you've got space in your garden right now, there is pretty much nothing better I could recommend you plant. Particularly because of the, the soil benefits. Yeah, exactly. Even if just for that. So, if, but And if you have a tomato cage lying around There's and you just pick up a dwarf one, then you know, yeah. off you go and see what happens. It's true. The dwarf ones, yeah, it's definitely appealing. For me right now, I actually didn't leave any space when I planted out in autumn, mm. so I don't have room. Interesting now I think about it, would I, if I had my time again, left room to put these in? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. But if you've got room, put them in. You've got nothing to lose, all to gain. And as you say, buy a door Friday, pull out your tomato cage and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Which I haven't given a rating. Maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll reserve judgment. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. Somewhere between Superstar and Wooden Spoon, depending on the time of year and your love for broadbeds. Yeah. We got pretty grim in this episode on the broad beans, but let's go back to the start when we're talking about all the delicious ways to eat it. So yeah. just go back, like mentally back think about the ways that you can eat it. <laughs> and if you've never had one before, go to the supermarket, buy a bag. Oh, yeah, the frozen ones. Do I something mean, fun with it. Yeah. yeah. It'll give you an entry-level idea. It okay. will, yeah. And then if you like that, imagine how much you'll like the fresh ones. Mm. Rooting for You is hosted by Elise and Tess, artwork by Lauren Janine. You can find us on Instagram at Rooting for You Pod or email rootingforyou at elisealexandra.com. And remember, we are rooting for you.